Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup from Red Bull Racing Australia. I'm Dave Reynolds from the Bodlow Racing Team. Hi, I'm James Moffat from the Norton Hornets. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert from Ford Pepsi Max Crew, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. It is, look, it's great. It's a fun track. Um, I was conceived on the bolt, so um, <laughs> been, been here before. I wouldn't say it's the number one target on our radar. We're all about winning races and trying to win a championship at the moment, but, but we, you know, Kim and I chip away at it, but right now we have nothing. Sometimes they're not dickhead you could say it's just it's, they're just there's good racing and I enjoy it yeah. from the racetracks across Australia and around the world here's Inside Supercars hello and welcome to the show joining us to discuss the topics of the week and preview Philip Island is from Fairfax Media and Auto Action Mark Fogarty good evening Mark good day Craig good to be back and from BAM Media it's Ben Beasley Hey, Craig, all so good to be back. And, uh, well, interesting because whilst we're talking about backs, the new Volvo boss on V8 Supercars website has said they're backing the sport going forward, which uh, I guess was a, a bit of a question being raised by some when uh, Matt Braid left the uh, organisation earlier this year. And uh, Speed Cafe is reporting that uh, Alex Premer's return for the Enduros next year could be in doubt due to a WEC clash. And uh, Ben Speed Cafe also was uh, in on the story which divided the Bathurst City Council, and that is a story that I know folks loves as well, the co-naming of Mount Panorama. Yeah, a, a, a little bit going on. I mean, it, it's just the, the, probably the Mount Panorama one is the one that's drawing some a lot of emotion, but I think a lot of people are also uh, getting ahead of themselves thinking that the name Mount Panorama is going away. But like you say, it is a co-naming or there's a lot of places in Australia now which is still known as something and then, you know, in a subtext is uh, given the uh, the original name for the uh, the rightful holders of the land and that, that's what it's about. It's it's a bit of political correctness, but um, certainly some political correctness with a lot of emotion attached to it, which it, I guess which is a little bit different is, you know, some of these other places, locals get up, uh, you know, have an opinion on it. But uh, Mount Panorama seems to have an opinion of everywhere around Australia and, and in some places around the world. So it's a, it's a, it's a local council matter that's certainly getting uh, widespread attention. Mm, some have likened it to if you were to give the MCG a secondary name. In fact, uh, News Limited, and this one sort of touches on almost like a press release via News Limited, is that uh, uh, James Phelps has got the story about the V8 engine is safe for the next two years. And they've resisted the V8, uh, the V6 power plant push. Ben. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, you're asking there. I mean, that's just all more to do, you know, obviously with this uh, white paper discussion and to do with Ford and Holden ceasing manufacturing here, the next generation of cars. Uh, it's funny how they, I guess they're calling it the, the Gen 2 car, um, the Gen 2 of the car of the future. It's all come around pretty quickly. Um, but. The, the point is that um, they've got to look really towards their future and it's probably come up a whole lot quicker than uh, maybe they had in- anticipated. But the fact is that, um, you know, the cars of what's on the street and what's on the racetrack are, are further apart than what they've ever been. So, you know, is, is uh, I mean, how, how do they make this all work in terms of uh, parity? There's enough discussion about parity aerodynamically at the moment and with uh, an engine package that does have uh, different um, uh, configurations right now. So if you're going to go and do all this other stuff as well, you know, um, 
it's going to be quite different. One thing that's really coming out of this is that they're really starting to steer away from the term V8, but keeping the term supercar. But the, the word V8 um, is uh, slowly but surely being uh, put under the under the mask head of uh, of what of what the supercar people are doing. Sort of like this show did it at the uh, beginning of the year, uh, <laughs> folks. Two stories in uh, your paper, Fairfax with uh, the V8 supercar officials defending the 12-hour clash, one case of defending the indefensible, and then, of course, the other the question that was raised was, does V8 supercars need a final series? And if you answer yes to that, then you are really defending an indefensible position in my eyes. Well, before I get on to those two stories, um, some comments on that report that the V8s have won a stay of execution until 2017. Not news. <laughs> well known. Never was going to be the case that V8s would be dropped before 2017. And as we well know, they won't be dropped even after 2017. Mm-hmm. The recommendations for the Gen 2 supercars, as they're as they will be called from 2017, were put to the teams on the Thursday before the Gold Coast 600, along with, and as well, they were shown the new V8 Supercars logo. And the proposal, or the guts of it is, that other conf- engine configurations will be allowed alongside V8s. V8s aren't going anywhere anytime soon. And as Ben noted, that uh, the new logo, which is more contemporary, um, than the one we've had since, what, 1997, about time for change. Um, it's been designed so that the V8 tag can be um, phased out. Now, whether that happens sometime next year or during 2016 or 2017, that probably hasn't been decided. But um, the notion that V8s have been given a stay of, of execution is just not correct, I'm afraid. Mm, and... Uh yeah, I'm doing another story for um, Supercar Magazine at the moment where I've spoken to uh, Mike Raymond and, of course, he was uh, one of the people that was hell-bent on making sure that Mitsubishi Colts weren't racing around Bathurst and, ironically, was involved in the Super Touring days with Seven after that. But, uh, yeah, he's he's uh, not thinking that V8 supercars are going to leave Australian motorsport at any time. Well, when the V8 category was originally introduced in 1993, for the first season, certainly, and, well, for the first two seasons, um, the rules allowed for um, other engines and other cars. That's why BMW ran uh, for at least, off the top of my head, one season. And then the last time we saw other than Commodores or Falcons was in 94 and then from 95 onwards it was pretty it was exclusively those two and V8s and under car of the future what's now called new generation of course um, a wider range of cars have been introduced but we've still got the V8s and we're going to still have the V8s and even after 2017 when other engine configurations are allowed whether they come in or not but whether they're allowed just to and that move is really just to you know, fit in with the changing automotive landscape internationally where a lot of manufacturers just don't have V8s and um, their performance engines are going to be turbo, small capacity turbo four-cylinders or mid-range twin turbo V6s um, and V8s as we know them, the five-litre traditional engines. V8s 
um, will probably continue, may be augmented again further by you know, smaller, more sophisticated V8s. We're, we're not sure of the detail. Um, all that white paper, those white paper recommendations will be announced by, um, at the latest, the Sydney 500. Now, getting on to the other stories you mentioned, one of which was my handiwork, um, and the gist of it, um, although the headline, bizarrely, was V8 Supercar's official defend clash with Bathurst 12-hour, the point of the story really was that V8 Supercar's and mainly Chief Executive James Warburton was remaining defiant in the face of outrage among motorsport enthusiasts. And that story really, I'm not pretending it was it was newsy, but it was just more of a positional story just to put it out there that, you know, while this clash of the pre-season test at Sydney Motorsport Park and the Bathurst 12-hour on the first weekend of February will go ahead. Um, that motorsport enthusiasts, the hardcore of followers of the sport, are not happy at all. And my assertion, basically, reading between the lines or not, is that the way it's been handled by V8 supercars is just is a PR debacle. The, the criticism, the, the avalanche, the tidal wave, the tsunami of criticism they've got on social media must be telling them something, but essentially James Warburton, who normally is a pretty, you know, pushed on, reasonably clever guy in most aspects, he's just put his head in the sand on this one and is just trying to dismiss it, won't even discuss it. Um, so, bad PR move, mm-hmm. I think, and it will create, it has created and will continue to create a lot of dissent amongst the, you know, the diehard enthusiasts who, you know, are the the bedrock of this sport. Now, as to this question of V8 supercars adopting adopting some sort of version of the chase for the championship that's been going on for for several years now with the modification this year in NASCAR Sprint Cup, do I think we need it? No. Should we have it? No. Is it being thought about? Of course it is. It is. Of course it's being thought about because, you know, every year we get to this point of the season and for the last umpteen years and really, apart from the odd occasion, pretty much the championship is all over bar the shouting. You know, if Jamie Wincup doesn't wrap up his record sixth title at Phillip Island this weekend, I'll be very surprised. So I'm sure that in the corridors of power, this idea of some sort of playoff at the end of the season um, is being investigated and uh, will we ever get it? I fear we probably will. Don't agree with it, but I think it's probably, um, I hesitate to say inevitable, but you know the way they tinker. They can't leave anything alone. Well, we'll definitely talk about that later in the show. But to our feature interview now, and it's Justin Ruzia. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Tune in each weekday morning for a fast-paced look at V8 Supercars with Supercars Today. It's a short, sharp look at what's happening across the V8 Supercars world. The only, the only things Ross is ever critical on are the things that A, going to make the car go faster, or B, going to make the race team look better. So he's um, he's, he's honestly taken on board the, the team, and, and almost, you know, it's, it's great to see how much actually he's passionate. It's supercars Today, each weekday morning at sportradio.com.au, or sign up for the podcast on iTunes. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard from Lockwood Racing, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we're able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to have, um, take the win off him. So, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptors family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Dale Wood from Team Advam GB Gal, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Justin Ruzio is the champion in the Kumo Tyres V8 Series, which of course is the third tier of V8 supercars, although unofficial. But they are heading to the Sydney Homebush Street Race at the end of the year, replacing Formula 3. So Ruzio, who's just made history winning in a car that had previously won the V8 Supercar Championship, the Dunlop Series Championship, and now the Kumo Series Championship with Eggleston Motorsport, so, will he be on the grid at Homebush? Yeah, I, I would. Um, I'd love to do it. Um, we haven't. We haven't had a chance to really sit down and, and talk about it. I mean, the team is extremely busy with their, their Dunlop um, series program at the moment. They're, they're, they've got a championship. I mean, even though they've sealed it, but you know, it'd be good for Gary and Ant to have a great finish to the season and obviously try and win the, the round at Homebush. Um, but yeah, is in to, to, to complete that that weekend. I mean, for me personally, I'd love to do it, but. You know, budget. I'm, I'd really like to get me um, myself in a Dunlop car um, for, for, for next year. So I, I don't think we're going to go down that path to be part of that grid, unfortunately. But who knows? You never know. Um, but I'll, I'll know more in the next couple of weeks and, uh, and, lot, and hope to get back here. And of course, when we look at uh, the whole idea of having the uh, the third tier of V8s running with the main V8 program, that's got to be exciting because it means you're going to be uh, if it if it was to happen more often, you're going to be getting into V8s and then being seen by the people where you're obviously expiring, in, where you're obviously trying to get to in your motor racing career. Oh, it's, a, it's a great format. I mean, you know, to be able to, yeah, again, I mean, I haven't seen um, the actual um, confirmation 100% about this Homebush um, deal that they've done and the actual entry list itself, but I mean, it fits the program, doesn't it? You know, you've got the main game, you've got the developed series, and then you've got the, the Kumo cars, let's call it that. But, uh, you know, those cars originally were the main game V8 supercars. So I think a lot of the teams, a lot of the guys that are around that built them cars are still around, and I think they'd get a buzz out of out of it just seeing them go around the track, mm. especially Rick Kelly and Tony D'Alberto um, being that in my car. So I think they'd get a, an absolute thrill seeing them on the track. Now, of course, we've we've got the the opportunity of these cars being on the track at Homebush. What would the difference price-wise for you to get a drive in the third tier of V8 and the Dunlop Series be for a one-off race like Homebush? Oh, it'd be, you know, there's a big gap between the uh, the Kumo car and the Dunlop car. Um I mean, as, as for for money, um, yeah, it just all depends on how you structure it, um, you know, and how far you'd want to go, you know, what kind of car you want to be in and how competitive you want to be. It's uh, chalk and cheese, really. Mm. But there, there is quite a financial gap um, between a Dunlop car and the uh, and the Kumo car, just based on, you know, the, the age of the cars. And um, you know, as the cars have progressed, um, there's a lot more maintenance as well and, the, the curbs, the savage curbs at Homebush as well. So, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot more at stake, really, between different cars. There'll be plenty more after the break on Inside Supercars. 
The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think it's a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as Fiat Supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian time since we've been back and a bit unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth from Erebus Motorsport, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars with Ben Beasley and Fogues, Fairfax Auto Action. Anything else lately? Not at the moment. No. I'll let you know, don't worry. (laughs) We're going to talk more about the final series. Ben, your thoughts on a NASCAR chase, or even we get down to the last round and we say the winner of the last race will be the champion because we're just going to give them a bucket load of points, uh, Rockwiz style, to be the champion so we can say the last race the champion was crowned. The, um, I think if you look at the NASCAR scenario versus the Formula One scenario, the Formula One, in my view, is probably getting a little bit more criticism that the final race at Abu Dhabi is worth double points, especially in a situation where it's a two really is a two horse race between the two Mercedes guys, and neither if either of them end up having a you know a mechanic or whatever failure at Abu Dhabi, you know that's that's going to spoil their year. I actually thought the NASCAR system last year was a whole lot better where. I think it was 10 guys plus two wild cards based on wins went into the final 10, and then the whole final 10 races counted. This thing of every three races sort of eliminating another group, which is a true playoff-type scenario, American sports style, I get it, but then they obviously didn't encounter, they didn't anticipate a couple of things that you would have two of the final four guys, drivers who never won a race this year because they got through on points and then they just kept consistently scoring points. And um, if um, V8 supercars were um, using their officialdom to judge what happened at Phoenix last week when uh, Ryan Newman barged Kyle Larson out of the way on the second last corner, um, and they thought that was okay to make sure that Ryan Newman got through to the the final round because it created excitement and all that sort of stuff, well, there you go. Um, But... I think the difference with NASCAR especially is they have 36 true races, you know, not multiple races over a weekend. I mean, are you going to talk about that you could eliminate people on Saturday in Sydney and then have the final three on the Sunday race in Sydney? Yeah, it's just, it's it's not right. And then also you'd have to look at the mixture of the races because I also feel that you've just come off three very tough races and then you go back to Phillip Island, which for all intensive purposes is a regular round, maybe not that, ex- you know, it doesn't have that element of the penultimate race in terms of um, the, the um, it's a great track, it's a great race, but it doesn't have that feeling of building up to the grand final, which Sydney then has become. And then, you know, you know Sydney, is it the best race of the year and deserve the grand final? That's been your other, your other question you've got to put into the mix and I don't think it is the best race of the year and doesn't deserve to be the grand final. Phillip Island when it was the grand final folks was fantastic it had a great atmosphere um, and you know we saw well a heck of a lot of bang and crash uh, in one particular year when uh, we had the championship decided there. Yeah yeah both 2006 and 2007 it all came down to 
Phillip Island being the title decider right at right at the end totally at the end of the series. You know, that's what I was referring to earlier. That's you know one of the few occasions in recent memory where that's happened. Um, it yeah, and it worked there. But then they went, and of course, but oddly, that's when it all seemed to go wrong with the points. <laughs> fiddled again although you know the writers said in in 2006 when and 2005 when they'd made it that just you know just ticking over and scoring points consistently got the got you the championship and both russell ingle and particularly rick kelly played the field but anyway yeah no i mean philip island's a good venue but this whole idea of, of, a, of a playoff format in motorsport is is just well it's not right i'm not sure if it's wrong but it's certainly not right it has no tradition um there are plenty of people even in you know in other sports, particularly football, you know, who argue that that playoffs, you know, don't don't really represent the best team. They represent the best team on the day, but not in, in the overall competition. But the NASCAR chase for the championship, I, I don't think it's been very successful, and particularly this year with these series of elimination rounds, you know, cutting it down to the final four. I don't think it's worked at all. At all. I mean, look at the lineup. Oh, you know, <laughs> Joey Logano, yeah, maybe Ryan Newman, really. Kevin Harvick, yeah, he's been hot, and uh, Denny Hamlin, the and who's not in it, and who have been hot lately, Brad Keselowski, and Jeff Gordon. Gordon. <laughs> I mean, you know, and Jimmy Johnson's nowhere. I mean, it, it's not right. So, what's interesting is the whole chase concept was brought in when um, Matt Kenseth, Matt yeah, oh, yeah, Matt Kenseth went through and and. I think he did win the championship without winning a race. No, he won. He won or one single bush. race, but then he more or less won the championship with an average finishing position of eight. Yeah, that's what you get for. when the point yeah. score structure rewards, you know, metronomic consistency. Yeah. And, know, and, and interestingly enough, we've got this point system, and you have this situation because Scaife. Every time Scaife started winning the championship, the officials decided to change the point score. And when he was going through that dominant period, it was like, well, we can't give him 300 more points than everyone else for a race win, so he gets five. We can't give him pole position points anymore because he's always on pole position. The point system we are ending up with is a legacy of them trying to nobble Scaife all those years ago. Yeah, and in more recent times trying to nobble other people. Um, You know, the simplest form is the most tried and true one, which is in operation in most motorsport series for decades, <coughs> nine, six, four, three, two, one. Mm. Yeah. And it reflected who was good in the season. I mean, yes, you had runaways and you had people wrapping up the championship early, but it is a series. And over the course of that series, that simple point score reflected who was the best, well, yeah, pretty much who was the best driver. I mean, it was skewed in many years because you dropped, you know, so many of your worst results and all this palaver, but just in simple terms, I'm sorry, over the weight of my career, I've seen them come and go. And that, a simple system, or a variation of which is what, you know, MotoGP has run, except it pays too low. You know, the fact that you get points in Formula One now down to 10th spot, you know, just devalues everything. And and they've devalued it even further, as you pointed out earlier, that, you know, with this double points farce in the final round at Abu Dhabi, I mean, really, it's just contrived beyond belief. It's like saying to the sprint car guys, well, the sprint car guys know this, you go and race the World Series sprint car champ and you get the World Series title, but if you want to be Australian champion, you have to win over three nights at the Australian Championships. Mm. Which that, is how, I mean, the original touring car championship was. 
it was a one it was a one off event. And it was who won the title. If you want to, Vert Supercars have got traction in my opinion from the end of from the Sunday after the AFL season is finished to the first ball of the first test. Put something in there and call it an endurance cup and make four or five endurance races and don't have a month's break when people are actually interested in your sport, like we've seen between Gold Coast and Phillip Island. Oh, well, that's a whole nother discussion, isn't it? Yeah. You know, we could drone on for hours about changing the season whereby essentially, you know, make it a summer season beginning, let's say, off the top of my head from Sandown and going through to, say, you know, Clipsal, run it that way. And if if Test cricket going in a night sport, which is what they're trying to do, then you've got a lot of morning and early afternoons where you're going to get a free kick. But VAs can legitimately compete with every sport, major sport, except AFL and NRL. I agree. It just it's just not in the race. But in the summer, yes, it can take on cricket. It can take on the A League. It can take on basketball, tiddlywinks, you know, and it can take on cricket, but it just cannot, in the winter months, get any form of traction whatsoever against the main two codes of football. End of story. Yes. Like you say, like folks says, Bathurst is the biggest event, and it's also the week after the NRL's done, it's two weeks after the AFL, and from a, from a media point of view, sports editors need and it's a great event. It's an iconic Australian event. All that sort of stuff. It fits in. People do care about Bathurst. They just don't care about everything else. Yeah, I can I can get space in the papers this time of year. Yep, it's yes. not a big argument. Mm. But while the footy's on, it's a battle. Guys, before the break, uh, folks, Formula Three dumped, and the Kumo V8s are having a touring car, a V8 touring car, invitational or um, non-championship race at Homebush. Your thoughts on that? Don't care, okay? No, ben? not a lot. Sorry. <laughs> look, look. My opinion. Oh, oh, I should be sad for Formula Three. <laughs> look, my opinion, it says well, my, here. <laughs> <laughs> my opinion and all that is the classic example of the season being far too long. <laughs> you know, like um, you, you had um, uh, championships like the Carrera Cup, which wrapped up on the Gold Coast. Fantastic, great, great way to do it. All that sort of stuff, and other other series have just recognised the fact that they can't justify having a season that potentially can go from February to December. It's ridiculous. Mm. And that yeah. V8 supercars, yes, they can do that. Well, I argue... Well, Sydney, so, Sydney's too late. Yes. It's, it's we're we're going to wrap this thing up in late November, you know. Yep. It's it's just creeping into a, a part of the year that's, uh, I don't know, it's just some sort of, you know, black hole or netherworld and it's just not... It's not gaining any interest, you know. I think potentially the Sydney 500 is a great event. I actually, and I may be out here on my own, but I actually like the venue. I think the event has great potential, but it's just not being promoted well enough and it's not in the right time of year. So ending the series in late November. And I think VA Supercars would agree and, you know, they're trying ultimately to do that, but they're, they're stuck with this, you know, what is it actually becomes the second weekend in, in December. It's just too late. It, it's only too late because it starts in February. If it was starting in June to December, it wouldn't be a problem. But I, I think the the problem, which is a bigger problem going to the break, is that uh, you've got to pay your staff for 12 months. Well, 
Well, or you've got to lay them off and then hope they come back to you if you're only racing for six months yeah. of the year, well, which is Mar- what we've March seen in to November is a happy medium, you know? I, I agree, yeah. Like, I think, you know, March being the first weekend, clips will bang, and then you, you could, you know, October, November could be extremely busy, but a lot happening. It would put a lot of pressure on teams, but I think also teams wouldn't mind another month of an off-season as well. You know, like right now, they're going through the second weekend of December. Then there's this test day that, um, you know, was only, you know, the problem then with the test day becomes, oh, we're going to do the test day, which, you know, is clashing with the 12-hour, and will people turn up to whatever race? But then you go, okay, yeah, the test day was on. When is the first race? Oh, four weeks away. Really? (laughs) Yeah. How can you say this is on the eve of the season when it's four weeks away? Uh, one of the many problems with scheduling. We need to take a break here on Inside Supercars. After this, we'll preview Phillip Island. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Nick Perkett from HHA Racing. You are listening to Inside V8 Supercars. Tune in each weekday morning for a fast-paced look at V8 Supercars with Supercars Today. It's a short, sharp look at what's happening across the V8 Supercars world. The only, only things Ross is ever critical on are things that A, going to make the car go faster, or B, going to make the race team look better. So he's um, he's, he's honestly taken on board the, the team, and, and almost, you know, it's, it's great to see how much extra he's passionate. It's supercars Today, each weekday morning at sportradio.com.au, or sign up for the podcast on iTunes. Hi, I'm Scott Pye from Wilson Security, Dick Johnson Racing, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. It's Fogues and Ben Beasley and Philip Islands this weekend. Courtney's coming back after his big crash. Jamie, is, as Fogues has said, barring a, a catastrophe, will win the title. And, well, what's FPR going to be doing, Ben? Well, I mean, FPR, you know, people say oh, they lost a bit of form. Well, they did win Bathurst. <laughs> so and um, and they were very good. They were very hot there. They weren't so good on the streets of the Gold Coast. This was a track where Winterbottom had a pole position at last year. The cars run good there, but it won't be enough. It won't be enough to stop Jamie Wincup from winning this championship. Um, and I think um, he's got the mindset of getting it done as quickly as possible, which is what what you should be doing. You know, not not leaving it to the last last event, even if you only have to you know score a couple of points at the last event. It's you know, it's it's Wing Cup's weekend um, to do to win the championship and uh, do it in a way that might not seem necessarily have to win the race, which is um, just how it is. Mm. And, and of course, folks, uh, that leaves them a, a free kick into the Ambrose 500, which we'll see at Sydney uh, later on in early no- December. Well, thank goodness that Marcus Ambrose. Is coming out, or is coming back, and it's got a wildcard entry for the Sydney 500, or yes, as you cleverly term it, the Ambrose 500, because that's going to be the draw card, because it'll all, it'll be all over. I mean, it's just it's Jamie's to lose, really, if he doesn't wrap it up this weekend. As I've said, I'll be amazed. So the interest will be how Marcus Ambrose goes in his first outing with um, what will become, as of January 1, DJR Team Penske. Um, he's got a big hill cut to climb there but there'll be a lot of interest so even if the championship well because the championship will be over um, they needed Ambrose to be there to inject some interest and there'll be a lot of interest in in how he goes and um, I mean Philip Island I think it normally is reasonably interesting and it will be interesting to see how Jamie wraps it up 
VAR have already admitted, you know, they've conceded defeat. They, they, you know, Winterbottom at best is playing for second. They're excited because it's back to the hard tyres and they reckon they can um, gain some ground and regain some form. Um, and they'll need to because, yes, it was a fine effort to win back-to-back Bathurst, but the way they've let the championship slip away so dreadfully um, is cause for concern. If I can do my best, uh, ESPN commentator Ben, can Shane Van Gisbergen turn around his natural terrain road course form this weekend? I, if there's one guy who can do anything, it's that kid. <laughs> so, um, you know, he, he, I mean, he can. Um, he's, he's always one to look out for, you know, and uh, probably another guy who... If um, you, you looked on, on the face of it, who's who's you know been an, has a, had an out, another been an out or has been an outstanding person to look out for or a shining light, it is Shane, and there's no doubt about that. Um, just, you know, Bathus was absolutely heartbreaking for them to be in that position they were in. Um, you know, maybe you can you can compare that sort of Bathus form to there. Um, you know, but it's a kind of thing that. It doesn't surprise you if if he does or he doesn't. You know, I don't know. Just I think um, he's probably more licking his lips for Sydney, <laughs> the way he, he you know attacks the racetrack. You know, sometimes uh, maybe this track, although it's high speed, he loves high speed. You know, it wouldn't. It, I just guess. You know, it doesn't surprise you if he probably comes out and dominates this weekend, or he comes out and he's twentieth. Just just sort of how it rolls with those guys. Mm, yeah, it's an interesting one, folks. A tremendous natural talent, but completely unreliable and unpredictable. Fast and flighty is how I would characterise him. Wouldn't dare, wouldn't dare predict what he's going to do because I never know. And he's just as capable of making an absolute, complete mess of things as he is of starring. So, scratch my head. Mm. Well, he, he's the like <laughs> he's the perfect European driver because that's what that's why they like Gricey and that's what. Europeans love. Yeah. Oh, I love the fact that he'll drive anything, anywhere, anytime. I think that's fantastic. But once he straps himself into a V8 supercar, I mean, some of the things are, you know, I mean, boo hoo, he lost Bathurst. You know, he lost the Bathurst 1000. He stalled it. Mm-hmm. What a time to stall it. Uh, yes. So, you know, but so fast. We need to take a break and a final thought after this. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Facebook page and to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, Through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to uh, um, take the win off him. So, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptor family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm David Reynolds from Bottolo Racing Team, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. A final thought, Ben Beasley. Well, probably not so much about Phillip Island, but like you say, this Sydney race and uh, the Ambrose 500, the, the talk about um, probably from a manufacturer point of view is what's, what, where is Ford's at, what they're going to do. You know, if they'd made a decision, they're not going to stay in. And uh, Bathurst <laughs> made them look all a bit 
whatever. And now you've got Ambrose coming back, you know, the, 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 the Ford legend. You know, is it, a, is it you know, supercars, uh, what Fogus was saying about the, the PR disaster around how supercars have handled the um, situation with uh, the 12 hour, what about the way Ford could really make a statement there at that race meeting and say, yep, we want to continue in supercars. We've got Marcus coming back, but there's so many good things to look forward to. Yes, we're not making cars in the country anymore, but we can do this, and they could be on an absolute public relations winner. Mm. But would they do that? You just <laughs> Whoever is making decisions, you know, there's a lot of things to talk about motorsport. You scratch your head. Fogs, mm. your final thought? Well, funny Ben should mention that, because I think we know what's going to happen. We're pretty sure... We are sure Ford is out at the end of this year in terms of official factory involvement. And in the latest issue of Auto Action this week, which in digital form is out on Wednesday and the print edition is on sale at the newsstands, on Thursday a major international motorsport figure confirms that Ford is out as of next year. This major international figure hopes that maybe his team with some strong performances in the next couple of years, can attract Ford back, and particularly under the new rules in 2017 with a variation of body styles and engine configurations. But the fact remains that um, this figure, whose name won't surprise you when you see it, um, has perhaps unwittingly but nevertheless confirmed that Ford Australia is out of V8s, and the reasons for that are, are legion and, and well understood why they're taking so long to confirm what everyone seems to know already. Um, Evidence ranges far and wide, you know, even down to the fact that in recent times FPR have been adding to their documentation, you know, the logo of Pro Drive Racing Australia and that uh, that's their official entry name actually, but that's also been appearing on equipment in in the pits. They're preparing for a a transition because, um, as I understand it, Ford's decision to get out of V8 supercars just because it's got so much else on its plate and it's got a whole new product range and wants to emphasise, you know, a different Ford image. It wants to distance itself from this, you know, whole V8 image and so it won't even be allowing um, Ford Performance Racing to continue to use that tag which suggests some sort of official connection so that's the gist of it but you can read the guts of it in auto action this week well great to have you both on the show once again and look forward to having uh, catching up with you again very soon uh, i've seen the odds the media go-kart race folks is an unbackable favorite for it on friday and we wish you all the best <laughs> thank you i wish that were the case it should be fun nice little track down there at phillip island for us Carting mavens. All right, Craig, good to talk to you. Ben, you too. See you all at Phillip Island. Good on you, mate. That's all we have time for this week. Until next time around, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. Supercars.